And I want to talk to you today about the discipline response, uh, loving God's voice and loving God's word. Uh, it's something that we learn to do. Just like in any relationship, uh, you learn to communicate. It's something that you don't just, you're not just born with. It's something you really have to give yourself to and practice in order for it to take hold and to benefit uh, the relationship that you're, you're in or the relationship that you care about. Let me quickly read to you, not, not a lot of review today, or I'll do the same thing. I'll cut myself short. But I do want to repeat something that Dallas Willard said. We had a quote for you on the screen last week. He said this about uh, spiritual disciplines. He said, a discipline for the spiritual life is when the dust of history is blown away. Nothing but an activity undertaken to bring us into more effective cooperation with Christ and his kingdom. A greater fullness awaits any of us who are going to cooperate more not less, but more with the Holy Spirit. We're going to experience personally more grace, more joy, more love, all of those beneficial things that make up God. We're going to experience more of those. I mean, common sense would tell me this, but the Bible tells us this as we cooperate more with with God. He went on to say this. He said, when through spiritual disciplines, I become able heartily to bless those who curse me, pray without ceasing, to be at peace when not given credit for good deeds I've done, to drive on tramway (laughs) and not be angry, or to master the evil that comes my way, it is because my disciplinary activities have inwardly poised me for more and more interaction with the powers of the living God and His kingdom. Such is the potential that we tap into when we uh, use disciplines. Disciplines, again, are actions that we practice consistently over time and have become a part of us. They're, they're what we begin to breathe in and breathe out. They're disciplines that are some... In fact, Dallas Willard has a list of these I don't have the list for you, but he views disciplines, some disciplines as like breathing in and some disciplines like breathing out. And, uh, and so uh, there's nothing but good that awaits the person who gives themselves to the practicing of what God says on a consistent basis. Okay, We must be not just hearers of the word. It's a great start. But if we stop there, we enter into what the Bible refers to as self-deception. And we don't want to be there. A deception is, again, thinking you're at one place when in reality you're at another place. And you can get hurt living that way. Again, when you're driving down tramway, ever mentioned tramway to you? (laughs) Or really almost any street in Albuquerque or any place in the world for that matter whether you're driving on the right side of the road or the left side of the road. When you're driving down tramway, when someone has a left blinker on, but they, they, they make a right turn, that's double-mindedness, okay? When they're in the right lane and they think they're turning right, but they're actually turning left, that's deception. When they think they're driving 50 and they're driving 35, that's deception, self-deception. And the list goes on and on. When we think, because we've been taught so much about prayer, just because we know to pray and we know about prayer, 
And we could write volumes ourselves about prayer. But we're not praying. We're in a self-deceived place. Those are not meant to be harsh words. They're meant to be uh, enlightening to us. They're meant to be informative to us because no one wants to be in a deceived place. Whether the devil does the deceiving and the seducing or we're doing it by just simply not practicing, exercising. There's that word again. Say it with me. Exercise. When we're not exercising or practicing the Scripture, we're headed toward a place, if we're not there already, of just being self, self-deceived. And that's true where, where uh, hearing God's voice, again, is concerned. We can make anything just a legalistic, lifeless practice, and we don't want to do that. Uh, in our relationship to God. Some people do that even where the Scripture is concerned and the Bible is concerned. But uh, our approach is going to be life-giving. We're going to do it as a matter of love and a matter of faith and not a matter of obligation if we're really going to be changed by it. That would be true of any of these uh, disciplines that we're going to be talking about this month. So again, this morning, just I, I want to really focus on learning how to love God's voice. And we know that God speaks to us uh, chiefly, mainly, predominantly through the Scripture with the help of the Holy Spirit. He delivers His Word to us, can deliver His Word to us by other means. In fact, God's been known to even move upon the animal creation to speak on His behalf. I wouldn't say that's the predominant way to do that. That God acts. God predominantly speaks to us again through the Word with the help of the Holy Spirit. God has used leadership in the church, the apostles, the prophets, the, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to speak God's Word to us. We've heard God in their voice and through their voice. God has used other people, other Christian men and women to speak a word from God into our lives. So God has a number of ways of getting his word to us. But wouldn't you agree today that God predominantly speaks to us through the scripture? The scripture is, is not just a book. It is a supernatural writing delivered carefully to us by God. In fact, look at this this verse with me. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says this, all scripture, say it with me, all scripture. It says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Profitable. Nothing unprofitable about the scripture. God has given us scripture. God breathed, all right? God breathed by the way toward us. I love that thought. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but the Bible is God breathing toward me. It's how personal it is or can be. All Scripture is given by God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in, in uh, righteousness. Amen. God spoke His Word toward you and me. He's had men uh, write it down throughout the ages. In fact, 50, over a period of 1,500 years, 40 different writers moved by the Spirit of God authored what we refer to as, as the Bible. It's amazing to me. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. But did you know this? That the Bible is consistently the best-selling book year after year every year. Fifty Bibles are sold in the U.S. every minute. Seventy-two, seventy-two uh, per hour. Um, it's 26 million Bibles 
are sold every year. That's crazy to think about, isn't it? I didn't read that right. 50 Bibles sold in the U.S. every minute. That should excite us. 72,000 every day. 26 million Bibles are sold every year. Let me give you a comparison. Just this last year, the top five bestsellers combined sold only 12 million copies. This is a supernatural book. There's a man by the name, you know, it's been fought. Have you noticed? It's been fought in our day, but it's, it was, it's been fought for years and years and years. A man by the name of Diocletian promised in about 303 A.D. that he was going to remove every Bible that existed. He had every Bible confiscated and burned. In fact, there was a, a uh, monument erected over the last burnt Bible in his day. But 20 years later, an emperor by the name of Constantine stood up and declared the Bible the most accurate form of judgment for all mankind and all society. So he tried to kill the Bible, and the Bible came back alive. Voltaire was a man who one year boasted. He was a French humanist, uh, lived from 1694 to 1778. He, he boldly declared that 50 years from now, uh, that the world will hear no more of the Bible. While he's making his boast, the British government is reaching out to Russia and they buy a copy of the Greek New Testament for $500,000 while his first book was selling for eight cents a copy. Okay. And then, get this, the Bible was actually ended up, the first Bibles were actually printed on the Gutenberg Press from his house and from his own presses, book presses. I'd say God has a pretty good sense of humor. God has the final word. I mean, I just, that's shouting. I mean, that's just shouting news to me. Man, and the Bible is still being preached. And the, the word of God is still being heard. I love that, don't you? Moses has outlived Voltaire. Isaiah has outlasted the great agnostic. Ingersoll, the apostles, have outsmarted the agnostics. And the prophets have overpowered the professors. And my Bible and your Bible still stands as God's wonderful message to all mankind. Can we give God praise today for that? I just think it's crazy good. I never grew as a believer until I began to develop a love for hearing God speak. I, I just be honest with you. I'd been a Christian for some time and certainly loved God, but I didn't begin to grow as a believer until I began to love the Scripture and specifically love the sound of God's voice. And honestly, as, as we begin another year together, if I don't accomplish anything else with you this year, and I know we will, I, I would just love to help all of you who are not there yet I would love to help you love, treasure, and value and pursue hearing God's voice, hearing God speak to you, to become very confident not only that God is speaking and still speaking, but that you can hear his voice and you can be changed by, by his voice. Uh, before we get into some really just practical steps uh, today about doing that very thing, 
Uh, can you imagine being in a relationship with someone? And I hope you're not in one today, and this describes that relationship. Can you imagine being in a relationship with someone and not wanting to hear the sound of their voice or not wanting to know what they might be be thinking? I know tragically there are people in relationships and that sort of describes what they do. They're sort of roommates. They don't talk to one another. They kind of shout at one another. There's not a lot of listening that goes on and not a lot of thoughtful speech that that happens. And relationships, when that happens, it should be no surprise. Yet I counsel people every year in marriages who won't practice good communication, and they wonder why their relationships are not rich and their relationships are not abounding. Their relationships are actually failing. I've seen the look on on men's faces and on women's faces in my office so many times it's hard to, I mean, I, I couldn't count them where they look dumbfounded when they're describing to you the trouble they're going through in their relationship and you ask them one simple question, are you talking to each other? Are you listening to each other? Do you have any time left to where you're looking eye to eye and really listening to one another's heart? And they look dumbfounded like, oh my God, you mean I really have to do something like that in order to have a great relationship? Yes, you do. Not just talk and not just listen, but do it thoughtfully. I just, again, um, poor communication or lack uh, of good communication is still considered by most who counsel people uh, concerning their relationships as the number one reason why relationships are failing today. Number two and number three remain financial issues and sexual issues, relatively speaking. But communication is one. I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable today. I don't want husbands elbowing their wives or wives elbowing their husbands. I don't want you looking at, you know, in the eyes of a good friend here who's at church with you today like you're the blame. I want us all to listen to this. I want us all to take responsibility to being better communicators And that includes being really good listeners. The same is true. I just can't, again, imagine having a seldom exchange with someone I love or a phone call, uh, seldom having a phone call or reading a note from someone uh, who I love, who I've submitted myself to in a relationship on any level. No emails, no texts, no voicemails, nothing. You know, just... Uh, nothing, or severely limited, and expecting that relationship to, to, to go somewhere, expecting that relationship to really uh, become richer and deeper. I don't know why we think we can grow in our relationship with God and become much more intimate, learning the sound of His voice without learning the sound of His voice without giving him the time in our days to speak and for us giving ourselves the opportunity to really hear him. You know, again, I can know a lot about God, but I can't know him personally apart from his word. I can't, I just can't imagine 
that that works, you know. And, I, and I, again, let's wake up. If we need to be awakened today, let's, be, let's wake up and let's not frustrate ourselves any further thinking that we can go deeper with God and we can go further in our relationship with God. How many of you still want to do that? Let me see your hands. That does matter too. How many of you want a better marriage? Come on. Good job. How many of you want a stronger friendship? Yeah. Well, yeah, we've got to exercise to see that happen. You know, I've been married to Cindy now this year in April. It will be, let's see, 47 years. Thank you, Jesus. And you could all be talking and she could speak up over you and I would know her voice. Not because we've been married for 47 years. But we've, been, we've spent the majority of our time learning one another's voice, getting to know one another, listening to one another, talking to one another about things that mattered and some things, honestly, that didn't. But not developing a love for God's voice should be a major concern for every professing Christian. A man professing to know Jesus and love Him, yet who does not pursue the knowledge of God, provided in the Scripture or other ways, simply should be doubted. Not condemned, but just doubted. How can you love someone and not listen to them? How can you love someone and not communicate? There's nothing like God's Word. Can I have a good amen? One word from God. You've heard it said. You've probably said it. One word from God can change your life. And it really can. So let's get into about eight things. Just list them out. I I urge you to uh, write these things down. They'll be up on the screen for you. You could take a screenshot of them if you want to. But however you get them, again, our goal is to uh, grow a uh, discipline when it comes to hearing uh, God's Word. I I love to watch people who come to church, and you don't have to beg them to bring their Bibles, and you don't have to beg them to bring a notepad or a pencil. You know, of course, technology now, you... Uh, you know, you can type it out on your phone, type it out on your iPad. So many different ways to get notes. I, one of the, uh, there was a lady that uh, attended our Bible studies for years before we started Believer Center of Albuquerque back in the late 70s. And I always noted the way she would come to church. She would come always with a kind of a quickened step. And she would come and she would either sit on the first row or second row and she would have this forward lean to her. And she, while you were speaking the Word of God, she would be connected. She would be uh, leaning into what was being said. She was extremely, she was attentive to the point where it was outward. You could actually see it on her uh, face. I know you can't always be moved by what you see, but this was easy to see. And she always had her note pad with her and a, something to write with. And she was writing as quick as we could, could talk. And she was a great student of the Word of God, had and still has all these years later. And you'd know it if you talked to her. She still has this incredible hunger for anything that God is saying. Amen. All right, and we're talking about truth. Only God speaks truth uh, with pure motive. He, his word is truth. God is all the truth we know. 
You know, Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. But he, before that, he says, if you continue, there's discipline. If you continue in my word, then you'll know the word, you'll know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Amen. You can't quote half of that and understand what Jesus was saying. He didn't just say the truth will set you free. He said, if you continue in my word, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But truth is more than uh, just quoting a verse. Truth is a person. And that person is Jesus. You can actually enter into a relationship with the truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ. You ready? Number one, these are things, again, uh, I don't think you don't know, but they're just things you need to be reminded of. There'll be a few things maybe uh, you can really grasp hold of that might be new to you, but most of these, great reminders. Number one, uh, if you're really wanting to establish a discipline in the Word, particularly the Scripture, you need to approach it with the fear of God. Number one is to fear God. Scripture makes it clear that fearing God is still the beginning of, of knowledge. In fact, I would say this, that respecting God, reverencing God, which is what this word fear means in the Hebrew, it's not a fear that torments. The devil torments us with a fear. This is a healthy reverence, a healthy respect for who God is. If you have and will develop and exercise a healthy respect, if you'll bring honor uh, into God's presence, if you'll honor Him for who He is first, then you'll learn how also to give respect to His Word. But honor Him first, fear God first. It is the key to intimacy. Say the fear of God is the key to intimacy with God. Good. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him, and He will show them His covenant. Do we have that scripture or no? From another translation, the Lord confides is the way the New International Version says it. The Lord confides in those who fear him. That speaks of intimacy, doesn't it? He makes his covenant known to them, to to those who fear him. Amen. It's the wellspring of knowledge and wisdom. The knowledge of God is to come. And you know this. I don't have to tell you this. Um, Some of you who are older in the room may have... And remit, see, I didn't try to tell you who you were. I just said, those of us who are older in the room may have real strong feelings about this, but there's a real uh, void of respect in our society today. And it's not that there hasn't always been uh, disrespect or irreverence, but there's, it's just, it's crazy the way it has taken hold of society. Uh, again, you, in government right now, we, we have little, if any, civility. And I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It was a playoff, something that President Trump had uh, quoted about making America great again. It said, let's make America civil again. I kind of like that. Come on, regardless of who you voted for, that's good. Come on. Come on, are you here this morning? We need to be kind to each other. We need to be respectful. We need to be, we need to honor uh, one another. And you say, I don't know how to do that. See, what does that look like? See, we have to learn it or re- relearn it. Uh, it's got to, it's got to be a part 
of uh, of developing again a really good um, sensitivity to the voice of God is learning how to first how to respect who He is. Amen. Can you agree with that today? Praise God. Uh, so number two, um, it's a value to value His word above. All others. Again, you give God reverence, respect. It would normally follow to value God's word. But watch this, to value God's word above all others. I had to make a decision in my life, like you, because there are so many voices that want your attention. Even some of them demand your attention. The scripture refers to some of those as just winds. And the wind is blowing. And it blows toward you and you come face to face with it and you have to endure it sometimes. It comes to us sometimes even uninvited. All right? You've got to deal with it anyway in the world. Um, and you may put value on what someone else is saying to you and on their wisdom that they're sharing with you, what you might. But don't make the mistake of valuing what anyone else says over valuing God's Word first. Amen? Have you ever noticed how your Bible starts, both Old and New Testament? The Old Testament starts there in the book of Genesis. God God finds the earth in a dark, a chaotic condition. And he begins to do what? Speak. He begins to declare his word to redeem it and to restore it. Was it nine times, ten times? And God said it, and it was so. And then the New Testament begins this way, at least in the book of John, in the New Testament. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Actually gives us greater insight into into the one who is actually doing the creating. The one called the Word is actually declaring the Word. And it says about the Word, Jesus, in John, the first chapter, it says that nothing was created by Him. All things were created by Him, and nothing was created by Him. Uh, without him. Now, why is that? Why, why is that? Well, I believe it's, it's there on purpose to bring emphasis to the importance of a word that God speaks, to point us to value uh, God's word in everything, to let God's word be the first and final word. Come on, help me with this. Let God's word be first and final. I'm amazed. I mean, I, I, I'm like you. There, sometimes I, I hear conversations, and sometimes I'm in that conversation, but sometimes I just overhear what people say. And I'm amazed, for example. I wrote this down in my, in my phone the other day. How, how, how descriptive people can be about their circumstances and who said what in their circumstance. I'm just amazed at how much attention we we can pay, how much note we can pay, uh, take concerning what other people are saying about us or to us. There are some of you that went to bed last night. You weren't thinking about what God said to you. You were thinking about what somebody else called you or how they critiqued you or what they said about you or, or said a certain way. That's what you were thinking about. I know I've done it. And you lose sleep over it when it's negative. Isn't it amazing? One negative word will keep you awake. Ten positive words won't put you to sleep. What's up with that? 
Preachers know this. They'll step off the platform. They'll get an email or two. They'll have people come up to them after they've spoken the word. And they'll, these people will come up and hug us and put their arms even around our neck and say, you don't know how much what you said today helped me. I mean, it really did turn my day around today. And you're rejoicing. You're thanking God for that. People will line up and do that. And then you'll get an email the next day that says, who in the world do you think you are? You don't have an idea what you're talking about. And you'll go through the day thinking about that email instead of all that other good stuff. And perhaps more importantly, what God might have said to you about what you preached that day. I'm just saying we have to value God's word more than we value anybody else's. You can listen to other people speak. Sometimes you need to turn some of them off. I mean, you do even have another option. It's called turn them down. But, But always value, end of the day, final word. Let God have the final say. I believe that's what we see here. It's because God's word is creative This is A, B, C, D. Just write this down under this note. God's Word is creative. God's Word is prophetic in the sense that it brings us hope. God's Word is redemptive. And God's Word is restorative. God's Word is creative. It's prophetic. It's redemptive. And it's restorative. Um, Why wouldn't you want to give that precedence in your life over what's destructive or what's negative or what's dark, or what always depresses you, or takes uh, something from you. you. You hear what I'm saying to you? Even when God corrects us, it's positive. It's helping us. Amen? God's not condemning you, but He could be correcting you. And God's correction will just make your life that much fuller. Amen? Nothing else compares to a word from God. And so we want to make sure that, uh, again, at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, that we're letting God speak and letting his word uh, be number one. When, when uh, Adam and Eve, if you want to do some reverse engineering, I call it, about the importance of God's word in your life and how you and I need to be responding, look at, look at the uh, Genesis account of, again, when this serpent came into the garden and he began his tempting work. Okay, Adam and Eve, both of them, Eve first, Adam after, both of them had to devalue what God had said to them to go ahead and sin. Can you see that? They had to put the serpent's word, not only the serpent's word above Father God's, but they had to put their own thoughts and their own words above what Father God had spoken to them in order for them to fall into that transgression, all right? So we're going to reverse that. We're going to let God's Word have first place in every setting, in every situation. Good, the garden was good. It's a great place, all right? So every good setting, when our circumstances are good, when they're negative, we're still going to let God have first place in our life. Amen? Have you ever had a conversation? Again, try to draw an analogy here. 
Have you ever had a conversation with someone? You thought you were having a conversation with them. But while you're talking to them, you know, they just start looking kind of over your shoulder or kind of looking around. I've had people do that right here in the altars. They'll ask me for a, uh, a, a, they'll ask me a question. I think they're waiting on an answer. I begin to give the answer. They start looking around like I'm not even there. I would say that's not valuing what I'm saying. And when we're doing that with God, the same thing is happening. We're missing God speaking a life-changing word into our life when we allow other people, their voice, to have a greater value than God's God's word. I'm going to pick up my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible. I read other things, but I'm going to let the Bible have precedence over what anybody else might be saying. Amen. You get the word in you, and it'll change your life. Psalm 19, verse 10. The psalmist here, he goes on in this chapter. I'm not going to show you the whole chapter, but just verse 10. This is his thought on the, the value of the word uh, and God's word. He said, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb, which is the sweetest honey ever. Amen. He said, more precious than gold. You know, when Jesus answered the devil, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan, and Satan had tempted Jesus to take stones because Jesus was hungry and turn them into bread and eat. Jesus, you remember how Jesus answered him? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Can I ask you something, especially if you're in business, all right, and you're earning a living, you're making money, uh, you're the, maybe the breadwinner in your home, so to speak. Does that verse speak at all to you? Because it really should. Because Jesus is actually just saying, look, there's something more important than just work, 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 work to provide myself food, 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 or clothing and whatever else I want or need. My life, it shouldn't all be about providing for myself what I can do for myself. I've got, there's something more important. Jesus would say that, and that's hearing God. Have God speak into our life. Let God reveal himself to be our all in all and our our provider. Amen? Jesus said, seek first. There's a value statement in the Bible. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And what? All these other things will be added to us. So we fear God. We reverence Him. respect Him. Holy Spirit, help us with that. I mean that. God, can you pray that with me? Holy Spirit, help us with respect and reverence, especially when it comes to you, God. Help me with that. Number two, God, help me to value your word over all the voices that are in my circumstances. Help me to value your word above everything else. Number three, this is uh, this actually a couple of disciplines that complement each other. One, again, is a breathing in. One is a breathing out. Create a place and time for solitude. Being purposeful to separate from all others to come face-to-face with Jesus. It's going, to be a, it's going to be an incredibly hard exercise for many of us who are just really busy, 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 busy. You know, And we, we don't know what it is 
to create a space of solitude. But I, I will say this to you. My own experience will confirm, I think, what the Word teaches here is that when I create a quiet place, and I have to work at it just like you do, I still do. All right? I have to make hard decisions just like you do, like not seeing Gracie right now, my granddaughter. I mean, when she wants to see Papa, I'm ready to drop. Come on, Art, help me with this one, right? Those of you who have granddaughters or grandsons that are two, two and a half, she says, I want to see Papa. (laughs) Come on in. We're just, you know, oh, no, I'm with the president. Never mind. Excuse me, Mr. President, my granddaughter wants to see me. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Heart just melts. Something about a little girl looking up at you with big brown eyes and saying, Papa, reaching her little hands to you, saying, I want to hold you. That just takes a 200-pound man and just makes, just dissolves him to where he's nothing but just a little pool that people can walk through and walk over. It just happens, you know. But there are times where we just have to say no to other things that are important. We can pick them up later. But creating solitude, putting your phone away, dear God, come on, people. Not just while you're driving. Put the thing down. Turn the blooming thing off. Dear Lord, can you not do that? Yeah, you can for a few minutes with God or more. Create solitude, breathe in, okay? Exhale, hearing the voice of of God in all of those things. You notice again in the garden very quickly, in the garden, what happened after sin entered in? And they heard the same voice that they had heard prior to sin. They heard Father's voice. Father's voice had not changed. Sin had changed what was inside of them. Father's voice had not changed. He called out to them, even asked them a question he already knew the answer to. Where are you? They needed to answer that question. He knew the answer. Where are you? What did they do? They ran from him. Instead of running to him, they ran from him. It is the old nature of sin to run from God. Okay? And the new nature runs toward God, but we're still going to need to exercise Ourself Again, please say it with me, exercise. And say, all right, I'm going to do this. Now, you can do that whenever. You can do that early in the morning. The psalmist uh, talked about doing it early in the morning. Some believe that early morning is the absolute best time uh, because our, our train of thought has not been, our train of thought is not on the, on the, the track, so to speak. Uh, we haven't set our mind in a certain direction. And we invite God early into setting the direction for our day. I think that's good wisdom. But I don't think it's hard hard advice or hard wisdom. But you need to find when your time is. Is it midday? Is it in the afternoon? Is it at night when the kids are in bed or your husband is in bed or your wife is in bed? All right, time to turn off the TV. Get out your Bible. What What's the best time for you to create some solitude? But if you do that, it opens the door for you to hear God's voice and to exercise learning the sound of His voice. Cindy and I still have to make time uh, today to sit down with one another and talk. And we have to make hard decisions to do that. I bet you do too. 
If your relationship is flourishing, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're finding time to talk to one another. Amen? You're not giving your best time to your best friend. Unless your best friend happens to be your husband or your wife or your best friend. Amen? Are you listening to me? We're giving our first to God and, and, and valuing Him first. And we're creating solitude to do, uh, to do just that. Amen. Number four. Are you still with me? Invite the Holy Spirit's help in hearing and gaining understanding and faith to apply and practice what you hear. Simple step, but don't overlook it. The Holy Spirit, again, is the mind of God. He's the one who brings revelation to us. You're not going to know God through your physical senses before you know Him by the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit. If you're born again today, your spirit's in a good place. Your spirit's alive to God. You're one with God in spirit. And the Holy Spirit can communicate to you spiritual truth, spiritual revelation, okay, directly to you. And when it comes to God, you're always going to want to say, I still pray it to this day, Holy Spirit, I don't have any possibility of knowing God or knowing His voice, recognizing His voice, being able to discern His voice from all the other voices without your help. I purposely pray for the Holy Spirit's help in hearing and recognizing and knowing uh, uh, His voice. Amen? Because Again, because there's some people that approach the, the Scripture in a really kind of weird way. You know, some, some people, you know, they think they can open their Bible and kind of, you know, thumb pay to the page. Oh, God, help me hear from you today. And they'll thumb through their Bible and they'll put their finger on a verse of Scripture and hope that that's God speaking to them. There's a guy that did that one day and he, that was his approach to hearing God. Put his, opened his Bible, thumbed through some pages, put his finger on a Scripture. And it said to him, Judas went and hanged himself. Now, he knew that wasn't right. So, but he kept thumbing through the Bible, and he put his finger on another verse, and it said, go thou and do likewise. <laughs> He's about to give up, but he said, I'm going to give this one more chance. God speak me through the Scripture, and he thumbed through the Scriptures again. He put his finger on one more verse, and it said, do what you do, do it quickly. So don't take that approach. I'm thankful for the little scripture boxes that we have or we used to have on our, you know, on our windowsill. That's cute. That's a great way to remind yourself of something God has said. But at the same time, when it comes to God leading you and guiding you and personally interacting, communicating with God, get beyond the scripture box and the weird approaches to how God speaks and just set aside some time. Prepare your heart and say, God, I'm here now to hear you speak and to have communion uh, with you. Amen. Number five, write these things down that you hear God speak. Write those things down that you hear God speak to you. All right. I know, I know the Spirit of God will bring things to our remembrance, but again, if you're already having trouble hearing God speak, you're going to have a hard time hearing the Holy Spirit's reminder. So in the beginning, at least, come on, help yourself 
and write some of these things down. I'm starting to do that at 2 a.m. in the morning, 4 a.m. in the morning. If a thought comes across my mind and I believe that it's God speaking, I'll just reach over. I have my phone handy there, and I open up the note app on my phone, and I just tap it in, and I go right back to sleep because I've proven more than once I'll forget something that was important. So uh, write, write them down. Amen. Number six, meditate on them until they become your predominant way of thinking. Uh, God told Joshua that when God was t- uh, Joshua was taking over um, Moses' position and leading Israel. Big job, big change. All right? He said, do this, do this and you'll make your way prosperous. He said, Joshua, meditate my word. Again, not as a convenience. He said, meditate my word day and night. All right? See, Pastor, are you saying I should be reading my Bible when I'm at work? Now, talking about reading your Bible at work, you can meditate the Word while you're working because that's thinking on it. Amen? I don't want to get you fired. God doesn't want to get you fired. He gave you the job. So don't be reading your Bible when you need to be doing something else. Some people have said to me, Pastor, pray for me. I lost my job. What were you doing? Well, I was preaching to the guy in the next uh, cubicle over here. During work, I said, what were you supposed to be doing? Well, I was supposed to be doing these spreadsheets and getting them to my boss within the hour. And so you were preaching. Yeah, and he fired you. Yeah. I said, what are we praying about? I'll tell you what we'll have to do if you're going to keep doing that is we'll have to keep praying for you to get another job and another job and another job and another job. If you have something for someone at work, You can do it on your lunch hour. You can find another way without not doing your work. Okay, I'm I'm helping you. I'm trying to help you. At least stay employed today. Amen? You can meditate the Word still. I meditate the Word, you know, when I'm uh, doing this or doing that. Um, But um, I've, I've got other things to apply myself to as well. So, meditate the Word. God's promise to Joshua, His promise to you is if you'll meditate the Word and you'll do it again, not as just an occasional thing, but you'll build a consistency in your life, exercising it day and night, it'll become a part of you. Number seven, if God gives you specific instruction to follow, then do it and trust God that God is at work in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Again, we're doers of the word and we're not hearers. Imagine a Moses who had the rod of God in his hand. God has given him specific instruction about what to do with that, but he doesn't do it. The results would be completely different because he heard the word from God but didn't do it. Another place, God told him to take that serpent up by its tail. Imagine a Moses that wouldn't do that. Amen. Imagine an Abraham that wouldn't leave Ur of the Chaldees in view of the word that God spoke to him. Where would we be today? Where would we be? There would be no Isaac. Where would we be? Imagine a a Jesus who would not go to a cross. He heard what God wanted, but he wouldn't do it. Okay, We would have no redemption. God told a man one time to go wash over here seven times. What if he had washed five? He wanted to go to a cleaner river. That one was nasty, dirty, yuck. 
God said, no, you go to that one and you, you, you're dipped to dip this many times. Okay? What would have happened if he had not done that? The results would have been different. Amen? So if God is giving you specific instruction and you've written it down, you know what it is, then you will at some point obey it in faith. So how does that help me love God's voice? Well, you'll learn from being a doer of it how beautiful God's Word is, how wise He really is. You'll learn how powerful, again, a word from God is. Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. Jesus said, come. What if Peter had taken a vote? Well, what Jesus had just said to him, the results would have been different. Amen? So, And then finally, number eight, practice accountability. Hold yourself accountable to, again, be respectful, to be attentive, to value God's Word, to write things down, to meditate. Be, make yourself accountable and have some follow-through. You know, I think about that verse that uh, we're in, a, in our Bible in John, at least chapter 16, where Jesus is introducing the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying among other things the Holy Spirit is going to do with you is He is going to bring to your remembrance all things, say it, all things, that I have spoken unto you. I did a study on that one time about bringing remembrance, and somewhere in my study it, it, it was revealed that sort of a picture of someone thumping you to where you become marked or even scarred by... Uh, that thumping that was going on, that consistent thumping that was taking place. You stop to think about it. A scar, every scar has a story. Okay, I've got one right here. I rem- every time I see it, I remember standing on the back porch, had a pocket knife that I had gotten out of my dad's um, little dresser, side dresser here. I wasn't supposed to have it, but I had it, and it's sharp. He kept his knife sharp. I was on the back porch, and I was making a bow and arrow, and I was sharpening a twig, had the end close to my hand here, and I was sharpening the point, not away from me, but toward me, and ended up just slicing right under the skin, right here, a little flap of skin. I started screaming like a baby. I was bleeding like, a, you know, just bleeding everywhere, ran into the house, Mom grabbed me, took me over to the sink, began to pour cold water over it from the sink. Son, what did you do? And I had to tell her the whole story. I've got a story that I tell because of scars. You do too. Jesus does too. His scars still tell the greatest love story ever. Amen. And the Holy Spirit wants to thump you to a place in a good way to where you just remember not some of what Jesus has said to you over the years, but anytime he's ever said something to you, he wants you to remember that. And that's great, and that's powerful, and that's wonderful in and of itself. But I saw something just new, I think new for me, in that the Holy Spirit brings things to our remembrance to also keep us accountable. Not just to hear it again, but to actually call us to action if action is required, to call us to action concerning that word. 
to remind us, again, to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Amen. Did you get something out of this today? All right, let's stand our feet again. Praise God. All right, there's a lot left for us to do, isn't there? Uh, let's see, what, what would God have you, just leave you with this question as we pray and are dismissed today. What would God have you do next? Say next. What would God, give you some time to think about that in the days to come. What would God have you do next that will position you better to establish a love for God's Word? What would it be? Would it be to go and get you a different translation of the Bible, as silly as that sounds to some really spiritual people, but just to get you a translation that you can actually, when you read it, it really kind of speaks to you because God is really working to speak to you. You know, Now, I don't know if the Holy Spirit would lead you to the book of Leviticus first if he's trying to get you to, to, to have a love for the Bible. He may get you over in the book of John where you have a chance to read about how Jesus interacted with people and his own disciples and how so many life-changing decisions had to be made. You kind of, Holy Spirit might put you in that crowd of people and begin to help you to see what it's like to really follow. I don't know, but what's your next step going to be? Okay, is it going to be, if you came to every Sunday service this year, that would be, we still have 52 weeks in a year, right? That would, and, and we're, we're spending, what, an hour and a half and maybe maybe 30 to 40 minutes in the Scripture when we come? That's just like 30, 40 minutes for 52 weeks out of a year? I haven't done the math, but that just doesn't seem like very much. But it's not a bad place to start, is it? I'm going to take vacation, Pastor. I heard that coming. Of course you're going to take vacation. I'm going to take vacation, okay? But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I'm going to start coming on Tuesday nights and Sundays. Oh, now we're starting to. Okay. I just made some of you really mad. You, you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you mad. I was trying to offer you another opportunity. You were here and now you're. Well, all right, whatever. What are you going to do, though, to put yourself in a position to take your relationship with God to a different place this year, a higher place this year? What are you going to do to position yourself to learn to love, hear and love His voice? more than at any other time in your life. What will that look like for you?